Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, I'm Miriam Connor, the host of Apparently Speaking. Thank you so much for listening. No matter how many books I read about technology and our kids, I learn new things and I'm inspired to do better. My guest today has so much important research and many personal stories included in her book, Be the Parent, Please, Stop Banning Seesaws and Start Banning Snapchat, Strategies for Solving the Real World Problems. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also Shell Bell Boutique, featuring today's fashions and accessories for women and girls. Visit ShellBell.com for more information. Naomi Schaefer Riley is a resident fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, focusing on issues regarding child welfare, as well as a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum. She also writes about parenting, higher education, religion, philanthropy, and culture. She's a former columnist for the New York Post and a former Wall Street Journal editor and writer, as well as the author of six books. Her writings have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, the Boston Globe, the LA Times, the Washington Post, and among other publications. She appears regularly on Fox News and Fox Business and CNBC. She's also appeared on Q&A with Brian Lamb, as well as the Today Show. She graduated magna cum laude from Harvard University in English and Government, and lives in the suburbs of New York with her husband, Jason, and their three children. Welcome, Naomi. Thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Miriam. Yeah, as I told you before, I loved your book, you know, Be the Parent, Please. Um, I, I knew as soon as I saw the title, <laughs> I was going to love it, and it did, not, it did not disappoint. And I love it when authors include, you know, a lot of personal stories and anecdotes and also a lot of research. So it's it's like these stories that keep you connected and you can relate to, but then it's like, oh, well, this is also, you know, backed up by research. There's one quote I want to read real quickly um, from the beginning of the book. Screen time is getting away from us. Now is not the time for guilt about what we've done. It's time to take a deep breath and look at where we are, where our children are, and where we want our families to be. And that really kind of, that that quote like struck me right away at the beginning of the book because it's like, you know, just don't worry, you know, I mean, the past is the past, you know, basically, maybe you, things have gotten away from you in this area. But just like you said, look at where you want to be and figure out how to do better. And you do give a lot of really good tips throughout the book also on how you can do better. So what inspired you to write it, first of all? Um, so what inspired me to write it was really my own journey with my kids, um, starting from the time my kids were you you know, quite young. Um, my oldest is now 14. It became quite clear to me that parents were using screens, uh, you know, from the time their kids were, you know, basically two in order to, um, to entertain them, to be able to have conversations with adults. I would notice just parents would come to, you know, pick up their kids at preschool and they would hand the, you know, the child in the stroller who wasn't yet old enough for preschool a phone so they could have a conversation with another adult. Um, and I just sort of started to wonder, like, what what was the effect of this? What was it? What did it mean that, you know, the kids were always being handed these devices? And and frankly, like when they weren't handing the device, being handed the devices that they were losing their minds, you know, screaming. And, you know, I watched one mother who was a close friend of mine, like her son was like hitting her, you know, in order to get this. And I was like, what, you know, what is the pull of these devices? And what is the effect on kids, especially on young kids, um, you know, who seem to not be able to live without them now? 
we don't have a lot of research yet as far as the effects of all of this later. Um, and you did have some stats in your book that I thought were in, and these were even like done in 2015 and 2010, just the amount of time we all know that kids and teens are spending a ton of time on, on screens. But when you look at it in, in print like that, it's like, wow. And that's not even including, you know, school, some of these um, stats. Yeah. And, and I, and I also want to emphasize just how much those numbers probably went up this year with the pandemic and everyone oh, yeah. being stuck at home. I think that, you know, you know, you're, you're seeing kids on screens, you know, upwards of, of eight hours a day, um, again, not including school sometimes. So it's really, um, you know, there's, there's some interesting statistics that, you know, get broken down by age. And obviously the older kids are, the more time they seem to be spending on screens. Um, you know, a lot of my book is because we don't, you know, have this, it, it's, it's very hard to sort of run experiments, you know, yeah. showing exactly what the effect of screen time is um, on the kids. I think, you know, Jean Twenge has done great research, you know, just trying to compare things generationally. But one of the things that I really try to emphasize in my book is what is screen time taking away from that we know is good for kids? So, you know, things like, um, you know, time spent interacting with other people face to face. There are some interesting studies um, that suggest that kids who spend more time on screens have more difficulty reading people's faces and emotional states um, after they get off screens. Um, there's certainly a correlation between the time kids spend on the screens and the amount of sleep that they're getting. So, mm-hmm. um you know, when you look at things like, you know, um, Gene Twenge studies that suggest that there are higher rates of depression and anxiety among kids who spend a lot of time on screens, one of the, you know, reasons for that, I suspect, and some researchers are really starting to look at, is the lack of sleep that is happening when we let kids have computers and phones in their rooms at night. Um, Another thing that's really important is, you know, time spent with family or time spent reading, time spent outdoors. All of these things that we know instinctively are really good for kids, that's where time is coming from in order to give more time to screen. So I really like to think about, you know, we, we all have 24 hours in a day. Um, you know, if, if, you, if your kid wants to spend time on screens, like make sure all these other things that we know that are good for them are happening first um, before that time can happen. And frankly, if you do that, the amount of time left is probably pretty small and it's not an amount of time that you really have to worry too much about. So, so I think it's really a matter of, you know, priority prioritizing things. Yeah. And you did mention, you know, that, um, in the book, it it seems like, you know, no one has, kids don't have any time for anything, you know, just like you said, there's no spare minute, you know, for all of those things, but it's, it's interesting how they all have time for screens. So it's like, maybe swap some of those out. And, you know, with my, no, we're all like running around crazy, like, Oh my God, you know, yeah. How do I get to the next activity? Like, how do I get time in the car? You know, how do I, you know, I'm going to have to eat dinner on the way to whatever. Exactly. And, then you, and then you look at this and you're like, wait, where did all that time for screens come from? Right. That's exactly right. If you look at the end of the day, then you look, or you can look on your phone or your kids are going to tell you like how many hours, you know, whatever they might've been on screen time. It's like, huh, that's interesting. Cause you had no spare moments, but then there was, and you know, with my younger two, yeah it seems like a little bit easier to manage because it's like, well, my, my son's getting older now, but like, um, it's kind of like, okay, I know what you're doing. They don't, they don't, my youngest doesn't have a phone. My son has a phone, but he doesn't carry it around. He's not, you know, on it, but it's more like video games or TV shows or, or my daughter, my youngest likes to make these like video things. So I can, it seems a little more manageable the time I realized, but my oldest, she just graduated and she's 18. And so 
hers is the phone. You know, it's more the phone. She's yeah. not playing games and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's more just the constant checking. You know, she'll say, I'm not really on it. I haven't been on it. And in her mind, in reality, it's not like she's sitting there like doing something on it or watching a movie or something. Yeah. But if you add up all the checking and the scrolling at the end of the day, it's a lot. <laughs> Right. And the, and the also it means it's kind of an inability to focus on other things, mm-hmm. because as you and I know, when we are checking, you know, our email constantly, like, I mean, I have trouble, you know, sitting down and like writing an article from beginning mm-hmm. to end. If I'm constantly checking my email or constantly checking social media, like you can't you don't have that focus. And that's really one of the things that I worry about with kids, because as adults, we recognize this when we've lost focus and we do try to remedy it because we can we can sort of remember what it was like to be in a state where we focused. Like I can remember, you know, being a kid and sitting on a couch and like, you know, reading a book all afternoon. And, and I've done that as an adult too, but it takes like, it takes an effort and it takes the ability to remember what, what I had to do to make that happen and what that feeling was. And, and you develop a taste for that feeling. You're like, that was so enjoyable. I would like to recreate that. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) But I think kids today, like, they don't ever have that experience growing up. If they only have this sort of series of um, kind of uninterrupted of, of interrupted uh, experiences throughout the day, it's very hard for them to think, "Oh, boy, I would like to have that uninterrupted experience." And this is how I create the space for that to happen. So that's one of the reasons why I really talk in the book about putting off giving kids phones until as late as possible. I'm a big fan of the wait until eighth campaign, which says, you know, to wait until eighth till you give your kids a smartphone. Um, Because hopefully by the time they're, you know, 14 or so, they've developed like a, um, you know, some sense of what it would be like to have that uninterrupted time. And also, of course, obviously the, the kinds of responsibilities and impulse controls that are required, you know, to be on text groups and, you know, um, and things like that. I mean, I, we've, we've put off social media even longer than the phone. Um, mm-hmm. We got my daughter a phone when she was entering eighth grade, but she still does not have any access to social media. Um, and, and that's because I, I really don't, <laughs> I really don't think you can, um, you know, have the kind of impulse control necessary to be on on social media. Frankly, a lot of adults don't have it, as you know. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> um, but, but again, like for, for me, that experience of really kind of being able to focus on what you're doing without constantly having the pinging in the background and to to be able to turn off the pinging and know that that's better for you. Yeah. And I I agree with that too. Waiting as long as you can for the phone. And I think, and this goes along with something in your book, it's like you said, you know, parents, you know, perceive a lack of control over managing technology. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to deal with this. So somehow somewhere along lines, parents kind of, maybe a lot of parents just kind of given up or they feel like they don't, they don't have it in them to do this fight or, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, they feel maybe they don't feel comfortable with the technology. Um, the kids know more than they, than we do a lot of times with, with a lot of these things. And so, um, you said, you know, there's this perceive, they perceive a lack of control over managing it. And, you know, everyone's getting the phone in fifth grade or sixth grade or whatever it may be. And a lot of parents just kind of like, well, you know, I don't want to be the only one or this or that. Yeah. I think that that's, um, that's part of it. And then there's also kind of a sense that um, th- this is a bit, a little bit about what we were talking about at the beginning about sort of thinking about what, what happened in the past and sort of be, being stuck on like all the mistakes you've already made. And I, I compare the, the sort of going on a, 
uh, kind of a tech diet to going on a real diet, you know, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the first thing is, you know, don't beat yourself up over what you ate last week because there's nothing you can do about it. Um, <laughs> I, I do hope this All right, is good. I feel successful. better. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this is more successful for people than regular diets, actually. But, but just kind of, um, you know, being able to think of like the things that make that, you know, make up a successful diet. And one of them is like is, you know, simple rules and consistency. And so, you know, if you sit down today and say like, OK, the only times that we are using technology um, you know, in a, in a kind of recreational way or on the weekends. Like we, we have that rule in my family. Like it just, it's not because like, I think that that's necessarily the exact best time to use it or whatever, but it's so simple. No one ever asks me like on a Tuesday morning, Hey, can I use the iPad? It just doesn't happen because it would be like your kid asking you like, can I have a slice of chocolate cake for breakfast on a random (laughs) Thursday? And you just look at them like, why would you ask such a question? Because like once kids understand what the basic rules of the house are, they don't keep harassing you. And this is a lot of what I think parents are really worried about is like, they're, they're going to get constantly bothered. Mm-hmm. And frankly, this is like, again, like the diet. If you, if you give in, if you make exceptions, especially early on, then the whole thing collapses. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. Just this once. But it's like the first week that you're doing it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And kids learn quickly. They they know our weaknesses. Oh, yeah, for sure. They know if you bug long enough, you know, it's going to be like, okay, you wore me down and um, they there's no point of it. So I've shared this before on other shows. And we did that with my son when he was younger, because it was just a constant, you know, can I play video games? Can I play video games? Can I play video games? And it was just like, from the moment he walked in the door, it was just constant. And then it was like, okay, but you know, you only have this amount of time. Well, that amount of time never seemed to stick. And you know, you'd forget, or he just, oh, I forgot to set the timer, all these things. And so we did that years ago when he was younger, we said, only on the weekends. And again, yeah. not because, you know, it's some magic time, but it worked. It was amazing because yeah. he didn't ask anymore, like you said. And so it was like, oh, you know, he's not even asking because he knew. And then on the weekends, you know, we said you could have a little bit more time since you don't do it during the week. Well, on the weekends, he it was even less time because we were, you know, there were things going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it, did, it wasn't like he was sitting down there, you know, all weekend at all. But it was, it was kind of like this magical thing. Like once we said it, like you said, that was, that kind of just, that was the end of it. There's no problem. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I do think, you know, it, it, a lot of times parents think about rules about technology and as being so much different than anything else that they make rules for in their house. Like, you know, you, you, you know, you don't like, again, like the, the food analogy, but also just other analogies, like your kids know some basic rules of the house. And I'm convinced that if you set down basic rules about technology, you know, they would treat them the same way. Like maybe your kid is always, you know, defying you no matter what, in which case, like you've got bigger problems than the technology. But if you have a kid who basically listens to the rules most of the time, and you set down real rules about technology, like I'm convinced to follow them. But parents like really feel, as you said, they feel because the technology is often something they don't understand, they feel totally out of control. Um, and and really, you know, that's that's a time to, to really kind of scale back and say like, okay, how many devices are even sitting around my house? Like when I tell the kid to get off the iPad, does he immediately get on the phone or the computer or something <laughs> else? Like, I mean, it's like, I, I tell the story in the book of like, 
I was at a friend's house. We were up in Vermont. I was at a friend's house and she has three sons and literally was like swatting flies. Like every minute, like every five minutes, they were on something else. She's like, get off that, get off that, get off that. (laughs) And I, you know, and I I just think, you know, it's a, it's, it's hard to do this without kind of being intentional about it, especially Mm -hmm. in the beginning, like very much, you know, here, here's what we are setting out. And we did this pretty early because, you know, for us, we found that the, the weeknights, like the kids would get to watch, um, you know, a show or two at the end of the evening on a weeknight. And it turned into these epic battles about what they were going to watch and who got to watch longer and could we stay up five more minutes. And frankly, I was like, I'm, I'm just done. I, I can't, I, it's not even the, it wasn't even the technology so much as like the, the way, the mood that it put them into. And there was an, I'm living your life. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there was a really interesting book um, that I read by this woman named Marie Wynn, who wrote this book, you know, 45 years ago about technology, but she wrote in the context of television. And she noticed that when she turned off the television um, for her kids, it was like waking them up from a nap. Like they were in that kind of mood, the crankiness, like the, the inability to kind of transition to the next thing, um, the need to be like, you know, to, to get like at least a half an hour, an hour before they were ready to be back in the real world. And I thought that that is exactly what I'm experiencing when I get my kid off an iPad or off the television or off the computer or something like that. It's this, they're, they're in this other mental mood. Um, that I need to to change. And, and if I'm trying to get straight from that to bed, it's impossible, or straight from that to anything else, frankly. I receive the most compliments on my outfits when I'm wearing something from Shell Bell Boutique. Shop Shell Bell and you're supporting a locally and female-owned business. Shell Bell opened in September of 2020, and they carry many popular brands such as Fate, Vintage Havana, Vegan Warehouse, Can Can, Mono B, Nikki Bicky, and Aloha. The boutique also includes SB Girl, fashions and accessories for girls sizes 6 to 14. Shell Bell is located at 334 East Garfield Road in Aurora, Ohio. If you're not local, you can shop shellbell.com. That's S C H E L L B E L L.com. New styles are arriving daily, and you can check out Shell Bell on Facebook and Instagram and contact the boutique to book your private after-hours sip and shop. That's shellbell.com, 330-954-8400. We've had nights where they can't decide on something. They can't agree on something. We don't even get to watch anything because they've taken so long. Um, arguing and back and forth, like, no, I want to watch it, you know, and we've had different strategies, you know, you choose this night, you choose the next night, but sometimes it's like, okay, now it's just, you know, I'm not even, we're not even going to do this because it's taken so long. (laughs) And so it's like, forget it. Um, Something you talked about in the book too is, you know, um, where parents, you know, without even noticing, you say, you know, our parenting strategies evolved to be more geared toward ensuring our children are never bored, uncomfortable, or at the slightest disadvantage when compared with their peers. And I thought that was very powerful, you know, that statement. And, and it's true. It's like, wait a second, you know, we don't want you to be bored for five minutes when actually being so, so, so-called bored is actually good for kids. I mean, they will find something to do, but we want to entertain them constantly, never be uncomfortable, always be exactly, you know, never a disadvantage with their friends. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, we as parents kind of like have to figure out like where, what kind of discomfort we're okay with a little bit ahead of time. I mean, you know, so we, we, we use iPads on long car trips, you know, going mm-hmm. to visit grandma and grandpa three hours away, going to Washington five hours away, whatever. And, and frankly, I gave up, you know, sort of trying to impose any serious time limit on those <laughs> because frankly, like Me you're too. in a car, you're bored. Like, yeah. you know, sometimes my kids will read, one of them gets car sick. Like, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it, to me, like nobody, I remember being in a car for these long periods it's the of time. Worst. It was the worst. And yes, you know, sure. There were, I mean, some family times where you're yeah. like, oh, remember that fun game we used to yeah, play? Yeah, license plate bingo. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, especially airplanes. I mean, airplanes, I'm like, give that child yeah. a device from the second they get on a plane yeah. until they get on. You're like speeding through the sky in a metal tube with like 200 <laughs> strangers and your kid is about to scream. Forget yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you know, pick your battles. Like I'm definitely all about that. But but I do have to say, you know, uh, there are kids who like are watching videos at the back of a minivan to drive across town. I'm like, I know. Why? What's the what's the point? Like your, your kid could either easily find some way to entertain themselves or they could stare out the window for yeah. the 20 minutes that it right. takes. Or just chit chat, seeing. I, we always did the right. same thing, only on long trips, like a right. trip trip so we get that stuff out yeah just try to kind of figure out like what what you think like their tolerance should be and again figure it out ahead of time so so there's some parents who are also like packing snacks in the car for a trip across town and I'm like (laughs) you know your child could probably wait until they get home but I think the the snacking is again like a good analogy because it's something where you're like oh did my child have the slightest twinge of hunger or thirst like I better be there with something none of our children are starving I can tell you mine are not no no Um, so it's, 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 I think just thinking about trying to think about as many of these possibilities, again, ahead of time, we don't, you know, we don't keep devices in the car. First of all, we do keep a lot of other things in the car, there are books in the car, there used to be a lot of coloring in the car. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there were things you could say, like, hey, why don't you do this instead? But I do think, especially as the kids get older, it's valuable to think about making sure that they have the opportunity to come up with their, their own activities, their own way of occupying themselves. I mean, you're in line at the supermarket. Yes, it's interminable. And a lot of us as adults just stand there checking our phones. But, you know, for kids, you know, help put the groceries on the conveyor belt. Like, look at the magazines, look around, watch other people. Like, this is not the this is not the torture you think it is. And what we know about kind of kids' brains and having that time to kind of daydream and think, um, it, it's, it's important. It's not just, uh, you know, a, some kind of test to see their endurance. It's also about, um, you know, letting them kind of daydream yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think as, and as the kids get older, and this is something I've talked to my kids about, my older two, especially, it's just become like a comfort. Uh, You know, it's like anytime there's like one second of maybe like they feel a little awkward or nervous or something, they grab the phone, you know, I, and, and just like get on the phone. And I told them that really keeps them from having conversations with people, even, you know, like a stranger in the, in the store line, like something like that. Um, you know, I picked up, I pick up my son from school and they're outside waiting and, you know, I'm waiting in the drive up line and he's on the phone playing a game. And I'm like, that's a time, like, you know, you, I don't want you doing that. You should talk to people out there, even if it's not a friend, like, you know, just chit chat with the teachers out there, chit chat with other kids. Of course, that's, you know, ridiculous. Um, That's a ridiculous idea, but it bothers me that, you know, the, or they'll walk into, I'll watch other kids do this. 
teenagers, you know, they'll walk into a situation, an event or something like that. And if they don't, you know, feel instant, like, you know, their, their bestie's not right there or something, they grab the phone and it's that comfort, you know, instead of realizing, and then they have no frame of reference later, like, Hey, I felt a little bit awkward or whatever the word is, but I got through it and I talked to this person and it was really fun. They don't have that to to go back on. And chances are that other person also pulled out their phone. Yeah. (laughs) Even if, you know, your kid is like standing there like thinking like, oh, I'll go up to someone and talk, you know, being like going up to talk to someone who's on their phone, even if obviously, you know, they're 12 and they're not engaged in any serious activity on their phone, Mm -hmm. it's just sort of like, um, it's a barrier between you and another person. Um, You know, it makes it look like you are otherwise occupied and they are interrupting you. And I think that's very awkward. It's awkward for adults and it's certainly awkward for kids as well. Definitely. I read some research somewhere a while back that, um, you know, even for adults, even if you have your phone on a table, you know, if you're out to eat with friends, even if your phone is just on the table, that person that you're with or people, they're just much um, you know, less likely to really get in a deep conversation or open up to you. Yeah. Um, and so I tell my kids that, you know, my daughter who's 18, you know, I'm like, if it's there, it's kind of like gives the perception of, you know, you're not really interested or you're waiting, you know, and now they don't see it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. The kids, cause that's just what they do. But, you know, try to say like, it should just be in your purse or wherever right. you don't need right. it up there. Right. It's like, you're waiting for something better to come along. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I like then you talk about in the chapter, this made me laugh cause um, you know, babies aren't meant to be Einstein's. And I remember the whole baby Einstein craze, yep. you know, when my oldest was younger. So that made me um, chuckle, but it was like, oh yeah, you're, you're so right. Like they don't need that. Yep. Yeah. No, I, again, like, you know, babies are, and it's, it's funny because like, I've actually seen mothers like get sort of irritated that their child is not thoroughly engaged in like the, the video that's on. I'm like, yeah, this is not really for them. I mean, and maybe it makes you feel better. Yeah. Um, but, but this is, this is not really for them. Um, and, and I think that this, this whole, I mean, it was, it was interesting. Of course, there was a whole lawsuit, you know, against baby Einstein, like, you know, it wasn't really doing what, what oh my gosh, they weren't Einstein's. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is, you know, this is so right. surprising. But the but the number of parents and educated parents who really bought into this idea, you know, that that videos were gonna help. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and and I always thought it was interesting because the, there's been a lot of research done on Sesame Street. And and um, you know, Sesame Street sort of was found to kind of improve the, you know, the vocabularies and learning of kids who were generally, you know, in homes where adults were not interacting with them. Um, you know, it, it didn't improve it hugely, although some people said it improved it more than the Head Start program ever did, which oh. is a whole other story. But I think, <laughs> um, but, I, but, you know, you, it was disadvantaged families that were mostly, you know, it was meant for, and that this was going to, um, uh, kind of improve their kids' vocabulary, math skills, like introduce them to new vocabulary and, and uh, you know, and, and kind of learning new things. Um, but a lot of, you know, uh, educated parents in, embraced it. And it's, it's interesting looking at some of the, re- the more recent research. Um, you know, if, if, a, if the research suggests that, you know, watching X show is going to improve your child's learning, you should really read the fine print. Because I remember one study that I cite in the book said, you know, it improved your child's learning if you sat next to them and basically talked to them through the whole thing. 
<laughs> and right, and that's not what people are using it for. <laughs> like, I'm using it so that I can empty the dishwasher and pee. Yeah. Like, I'm not using it so I can sit down on the couch and watch Blue's Clues with my child. Right. Um, and so it's it was interesting because I just thought, what this is not real world research like who who is doing this oh and they wanted to talk you, you to talk to the kids afterwards about what lessons they learned oh, right the right <laughs> this is completely <laughs> impractical and nobody does this so you know when you when you read studies that seem too good to be true about what the effects of you know watching media are on your kids they probably are too good to be true i mean yeah right exactly exactly something they- else going on there Yeah, exactly. Another thing I think, and that makes me even think of my point here, just you saying that I feel, and I was talking to a friend of the other day, she's a psychologist and she said, you know, and uh, we talked about how kids, they're losing the ability to be critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. It seems like, you know what I mean? They're just taking, like you just said, oh, okay. I see that information. I believe it, you know what I mean? Because it's out there, it's in a commercial or it's in, you know, it's on my social media feed. And so instead of really being critical thinkers, and that's, I remember with my kids, like commercials, you know, well, when we, when we had to watch commercials back in the day, um, you know, and like saying like to them, like, that's not real or, you know, and like, what? And and then they really got into it. Um, you know, like that's not real. Or I, I know what they use for that. They learned something in school too, you know, a project. I know what they use for that to make it look, you know, better than it is. They actually use this or that. And um, just being critical thinkers, like just because you read something, let's, let's look at, consider the source. Right. Let's look at the, you know, data or whatever it is. Um, and, and I feel like a lot of the kids are, they're not really getting that critical thinking piece. Yeah, I mean, and I think you see this most often with the uh, with social media, which mm-hmm. is you know the way people are portraying their lives and the things going on in their lives are you know completely divorced from reality, or they're or they're you know kind of um, filtering out the bad parts. Um, and and I think you know adults definitely experience this too, but kids have less of an ability to sort of imagine what else is going on in this person's life. Like you know when you or I see like oh, you know, mother of five children, you know, out just, you know, we're all enjoying our family vacation at the Grand Canyon and everything is going great and it's beautiful and my children are all well put together. And you and I are thinking, yeah, I wonder what it took to get (laughs) get that photo. You know, what (laughs) was the freak out session before that, trying to get everybody in their outfits and everything? (laughs) You know, kids kind of have less of an experience and and often kind of um, have more difficulty imagining what's going on in the background when their friends are posting these, you know, amazing pictures Mm -hmm. of themselves and all what, what, what it took to get that, even though the kids themselves, you know, have probably tried to do something similar and have felt like, you know, they didn't, they didn't live up to the ideal. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of just um, life experience that I think helps inform our understanding of what we're seeing in the media, whether that's on television or social media. And and the, the younger kids are the less of that experience, the less of that perspective they have. And so it's our job as parents often to remind kids like, um, you know, know what you see. If, if you run across pornography, that's actually not real. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you, you know, if you see people taking like these, you know, crazy pictures of themselves where they, you, you know, um, look ridiculously thin or whatever, just, you know, thinking about the filters that people have um, on their, on their phone and, and just trying to, to understand, um, you know, how, how to keep these things in perspective, I guess is my point. 
Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. I mean, there's so many good things in here. You know, I love chapter five. The price of internet access is eternal vigilance. And I'm like, I wrote no kidding next to it because it's, I did. I'm looking at it. That was my note. Like, no kidding. Because, and I've said before, you know, if you're, if having, you know, internet and devices and all that kind of stuff for your kids, if it's not like a huge exhausting kind of hassle for you, the parent, then you're missing some things. Yeah. Yeah. You're not on top of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and I, you know, I fully acknowledge like, you know, different kids like have mm-hmm. you know different levels of responsibility and, you know, as yes. with anything else, you decide how much you want to trust your kid. But frankly, like even the best, most responsible kids are going to run across stuff that they're not supposed to be watching or not supposed to be seeing. And they're going to be on it at times when you tell them not to be, and they're going to be on it instead of sleeping at night. I mean, I, you know, I had friends whose, you know, whose sons are, you know, great kids, they're twins. Um, And basically, you know, the sophomore year in high school, like they realized like the kids were just on their computers all night. Like they, they had to take the computers out of the rooms, like put them elsewhere in the house, like, you know, basically lock them up because the parents would go to sleep and the kids oh, would get their laptops. I mean, and I so, mean, yeah, what, it's a huge you know, temptation for kids. It's just a huge, like you said, no matter how great the kid is and all this kind of stuff, it's just such a distraction and temptation when it's there, yeah. you know, in their room at night. I mean, even if they're not doing something, you know, wrong or bad, you right. know, quote unquote bad on it. It's just the, the time wasted, like you said, the lack of sleep. The time wasted. And then, you know, also I, I just trying to understand what's going on in a kid's brain, which is that, you know, if other kids are up, you know, especially texting or, you know, on social media, like they feel like they're being talked about or there's a potential for them to be talked about, like while they're not paying attention. Like, can you imagine you know, not wanting to log on. If someone, you know, if somebody is in the next room, if I told you, you know, five people in the next room are all having a conversation and potentially they could be talking about you, how would you not go into the next room? Like, mm-hmm. how would you not want to listen? And so I think that that's, you know, I had mothers who would tell me, you know, I took my daughter's phone and, you know, I would notice it, you know, pinging at one o'clock in the morning. Like her daughter was 10 at the time. And it's because all of her friends were texting. And so, you know, you, you feel like you feel left out, but you also feel this, like, I could go into school the next day and not know at all what happened last night and what people were saying about me. It is crazy. I mean, it is really, if you think about it, and that happened to me too. I had, uh, my daughter used to keep her phone in our room at night. Miriam, are you there? Oh, yes. Can you hear me? Uh, Miriam? Not again. Can you hear me? Okay. I don't know why this is doing this. Nope. Can't hear me. Miriam, I, I can't hear you again. Okay. Let me try to. Oh, now I can hear you. Oh, now you can. Okay. I'm going to have a lot of, yep. I don't know why this is doing this. <laughs> a lot of, we're going to have a lot of editing with this, but yeah. So Sorry. I, um, we keep them, we never let them have them in their rooms and things. My daughter's just graduated. I did. Let, we did. I don't know how it happened. We did let her have it in her room 
her this last most of her senior year. And I do regret that. Um, and I, t- I told her, you know, I'm not going to let the other two do that. And she wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just the dis- the distraction. And, yeah. you know, like you yeah. said, I know that it dings and all that kind of stuff. And even if she has it low, it's like, does that little vibrate? And it's just, I just don't like it. Like as soon as you wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. I know it, it's grabbed and, and wasting yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so that's it. It's happening in every house. <laughs> yeah. So I, I am all for just keeping them somewhere else. You can get an alarm clock, you know, cause they'll all say I need <laughs> my alarm. <laughs> like we have alarm clocks. <laughs> yeah, no, I talk to kids. I mean, this is one of the funny things that would always come up is like, you know, the parents would say, um, you know, my kid has to have a phone because otherwise, like, how will I meet them? You know, after something, mm-hmm. and I just be like, get a watch. Like, I mean, yeah. how to ask yourself, like, how did you ever find your parents after you yeah. know, soccer practice or school <laughs> practice or something like that? You know, I, I would say to my daughter, like, I'll meet you at seven 30. I'll be in the car outside. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't come out in like, you know, five or 10 minutes after that, I'll assume there's some emergency and I'll, yeah, right. in. Like, I'll find I just, you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, especially, you know, I think you, you, you have to be able to trust your, your kids. Yeah. Um, I, can you hear me? Miriam, you're going in and out again. Oh my gosh. I don't understand again. I can't hear you again. Okay. I'm trying. Can you hear me now? Can, is it better? Yes. Okay. I don't know why this is doing this. Um, yeah, my daughter, my youngest daughter, we got her one of those little like gizmo watches. All she can do is like uh-huh. text or call the couple numbers that we have programmed in there. She can't get online. She can't, she's not texting friends. There's nothing to do or check. It would just be like that. Um, yep. You know, I'm going to be late or I'll text her sometimes like, you know, your dad's picking you up instead. So she knows what car to look for, but there's nothing for her to do on it. Yep. Yeah, so something I like that is an option. You know, obviously your high schooler is not going to probably want that, but you know, for younger kids, if you feel you need that, you know, something like that to get a hold of them. And then there's, like I said, there, there's no distraction with it or anything. Cause there's, there's nothing to do, you know, except something like that. Um, yeah. there's so many more things, you know, I, we didn't even get to touch on, you know, the education piece that you really talk about just all the technology being used in schools. And you really talk about and have some research, you know, is it all necessary? Um, and, and it's really, really good stuff. I knew we weren't going to get to everything and, um, but that's okay. Um, you know, in your, your last, you know, chapter seven, you know, just say no. I think that's really important, you know, um, and it's okay to say no. And, um, I think that's, you know, a lot of the big point, you know, of the book and you talk about what does it mean when we choose not to parent, um, you know, we're kind of, we make that choice. You know, I I like that you say, you know, you kind of, it's a choice that parents make and, um, and then we get it. We have to give yourself a break, but also, you know, we need to be the parents, like you said, um, and, you know, you said parents are the bottom line and it's time to, you know, we start acting like it. And I think, you know, it's, it's really, really great book. And I definitely would encourage um, everyone to read it because like I said, there were so many great things we didn't even get to touch on yet. So how can people connect with you and find the book? 
So um, I have a website, Naomi Riley, R-I-L-E-Y.com, uh, where you can find a lot of my articles. You can um, order books. Um, I'm on Twitter at Naomi S. Riley. Um, yeah, and that, those would be great ways for, for people to connect with me. There's a way to contact me on the website, too. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It was great. Get the book. Like I said, there's a lot of great stuff um, that we didn't even get to touch on. So get that book. Um, she's really great. Thank you so much, Thank Naomi. You. Thanks, Thanks, Miriam. It was great talking to you. You too. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. And also Shell Bell Boutique. Featuring today's fashions and accessories for women and girls. Visit shellbell.com for more information. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.